Welcome to the Tangent Podcast. It's good to be back with you. This is your host, Austin. This is Jack. And your nuisance, Ryan. Nuisance, huh? Yeah, kind of more like a, a thorn in your side. Eh, maybe that's a little too too rough. How about like the little piece of lint or sand in your sock? How about belly I button? I going to say in your belly button. Yeah, yeah that's what I was, <laughs> I was hoping you would. Jack could knit a sweater with all the lint he finds in his belly button. Probably true. <laughs> that's a big well, navel. What'd you just call me? <laughs> I said that's a big navel. It's good for belly shots. Oh, oh! oh come Let's, on! This this is a reference to to Malaysia. What? Well, I know not Malaysia. Yeah, I think it was Malaysia. Was it? I don't Malaysia. remember yeah. taking shots out of Jack's did, belly did button. Did I say that? Who said yeah, that? Yeah, you said yeah. that. <laughs> I said something about belly button shots, and I know I regretted it. <laughs> Cool. Well, it's good to be back with you. This is off on a good note. Um, well, should we get started with some space news today? I believe Ryan has some space news for us. You, oh, indeed oh, I wait, do. Wait, wait, wait. Do we want to do that first or our beverage? Beverage. I'm thirsty. Beverage. This is what we're drinking. Oh, why am I showing it? They're not going to see the camera. Um, yeah, here we go. We have... I can't read the thing because it's dark in here. Okay. It's a raise energy sour gummy worm flavored. Is there like a cool thing on the can that we can read? Um, yes. Refresh with raise uh, and fresh is in uh, quotes and the F stands for focus. The R stands for recovery. E stands for energy. S stands for stamina and H stands for hydration. Uh, zero sugar, zero carbs, zero artificial dyes. Win free rays. Come hang. Find us online for free rays giveaways. Yeah. They're not as fun as some of the other ones, but here's so, what I did notice is the packaging. That it's wrapped in paper. I know See, this my... is the first. This is the first energy drink I have seen that you could peel weird. off the outside. Yeah, it's my... not like. Oh, go ahead. I, it's just weird that like normally it's printed right onto the the metal, but this is it's literally just like a piece of plastic wrapped around it, and it doesn't feel bad, but it's just right. really weird. The fact that it's like that makes me think that Rays is either just a remake of another energy drink, or uh, <laughs> like somebody, just, somebody just they bought just... Monster and then slapped some paper on it, or they just took a a dollar store uh, energy drink and repackaged it <laughs> yeah i mean the packaging looks looks fancy enough it's more eye-catching than i would say like a monster or a rock star uh there is a suggested use here hmm. it's, it says suggested use consume one can of raise energy 20 to 30 minutes before conquering your exercise and or life <laughs> what if what if we have no life i don't know and you're not conquering, apparently. All right. Are you actually now, unwrapping that thing? <laughs> yes, because this is going to freaking look cool to be like, I can actually see this being a cool thing to unwrap this and be drink, drinking it in front of other people. And they're like, what the heck are you drinking? And it's just that made, all at that point. I made this can, made this drink in this can. What color is it? Uh, is it silver? Oh, darn. I was hoping it was black like the top. It'd be like a really cool, like all black can. No, that's kind of sad if it was. 
or it's sad that it's not an all black can. That would be cool. But are this there is any what other, it looks like. Are there any other labels on it? <laughs> no mm, other darn. labels that I can right, see. Let's, let's open her up. Smells weird. Yeah. That's ah. interesting. I I can kind of taste the sour gummy worm. Just a little bit. Not a ton, yeah. but a tiny, tiny bit. Tastes pretty chemically. Yeah. Tastes like uh, a lot of sugar. Or like it's... not not sugar substitute. Yeah. It's got that weird kind of bitter aftertaste. Yeah. Were you with me, Austin, when I tried the supposedly all natural uh energy drink? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what that was called? Uh no, but it was disgusting. Started with a Y. I don't know, but uh this is bad. I don't like it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. I was re- I really had my hopes up because it was called sour gummy worms. I did too. <laughs> uh yeah. I yeah, didn't no, think no. it was gonna be that good. It's I'd give terrible. it like a four point five out of a ten. I was going to go with like a five and a half or a six. Hmm. I give it a two. Oh, wow. I guess my you guys and your refined palates <laughs> aren't good enough for for my peasantry, I guess. Well, I guess I'll drink it anyway. I mean, it's fine. The more I drink it, the more I acquire the taste I acquire for it. Anyway, what's our space news today? So <clears throat> big news. Big, big, big news. Big, big, big. Coming from the state of Hawaii, which we're talking about tonight. Oh, are we doing the same one? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I actually thought you were going to do a, a new one. No. All right, let's do it. <clears throat> so, big news from the state of Hawaii. There was a UFO sighting that actually... um trying to find how many people saw it. I would say it'd be safe to say close to a hundred. It wasn't like two or three. It was more, it was a decent amount of people. It was on the news. So it was on the news video footage. Like this is plenty of people. I'm seeing if there's a list of how many people called nine one one or the Federal Aviation Administration. I su- I see that one, yeah. Um, I'm actually not seeing a a number defined number, but regardless, there is video footage of a blue UFO. It kind of has the shape of a boomerang. Um. A blue UFO, or at least it was glowing blue, that was sighted off the coast of Hawaii, and then it dove into the water. So multiple people on the ground reported seeing this UFO and calling 911 and the FAA. However, FAA officials were not able to shed much light on the mystery. So is there a potential... For more of a cover-up from our government 
older brothers? I'd say potentially yes. They haven't said anything about it, have they? This happened. No, there's there's actually not much information other than those that have seen it, the pictures that they took, and uh, the video footage as well. I did see that there was an FAA official or multiple officials that did confirm that there were no aircraft crashes or incidents in the area at the time that they knew of. Um, And also, this was, like, I think, was it New Year's Eve? Uh, Close. It was actually the 29th. Okay, but, like, it's been almost a month and like no one's been able to explain it right yeah there hasn't been further uh evidence or further information coming out you'd think that um with the military they'd be able to see something and it has been happening more frequently that if the government does see something that they've been a little bit more generous with their information and saying that something was seen. But uh, apparently in this case, while it's still unknown what caused the mysterious lights, it's uncommon for people to mistake human-made or natural objects, including lightning or missile tests in the area or balloons or stars or Venus uh, for UFOs, and by what the about? looks of this picture in the video, uh, it in no way looks like any of those things. No, not at all. It, and it's like they're constantly like it's not like uh, like a two second. Oh, I saw something there for a second. It it's like people have video of it for like what thirty straight seconds, right? And there's there's, 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 there's actually there. a video that shows where it's not just blue, but it seems like there's a little bit more color going on with it, and it is a little bit more triangular in shape. Hmm. Weird. Like, I'm trying to get to just the right image. Actually, that was pretty good. Back it up just a bit. And if you guys are listening right now, I highly recommend just just Googling uh, Hawaii UFO it'll pop up and then watching some of the videos it's pretty it's convincing bonkers. okay so this is the image that I see where if you see this it definitely takes on more of a triangular shape like a neon <clears throat> color too, and that—that's what weirds me out the most. Is it's like, not like a faint glow. It's like a bright effing blue. Okay, I just sent that back. To yeah, I see that. Okay, yeah, I can see that. You know what's weird is that that is the exact orientation of the light <laughs> UFO that I saw. No joke. Are you serious? I'm not even joking. There were two lights on the bottom that were kind of like whiter out and then the two lights that were up were closer together so it kind of formed like a trapezoid weird and it was triangular shaped the craft that i like the part of the craft that i saw Hmm. so yeah i mean this is 
Um, apparently not uncommon to see certain things between Hawaii and California. I mean, it's a really big gap to be seeing stuff, but supposedly UFOs are seeing are being seen more and more uh, specifically in uh, oceanic areas. Hmm. Underwater space bases. Potentially. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that's crazy. Uh, we'll try to link some pictures to that. Austin's having an aneurysm, I think. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, okay, good. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, is that all we had on that? Yep, that's all the space news for today. All right, Austin, are you up or am I up? Um, I can go. Okay, go so for it. I wanted to cover a legend from Hawaii about the night marchers. So I wanted to read a story here from a Hawaii native that, Ooh. well, their family's from Hawaii. They grew up on mainland U.S. I don't know where, but um, their parents and grandparents are from Hawaii. And it, so he went to visit his grandparents and his grandpa told him a story about the night marchers or the night walkers, either one or the night warriors. One of those three would suffice. Mm, different from a skinwalker? Different from a skinwalker. Yes. Uh, but he told his grandson this story, and this is his grandson relating what his grandfather told him. So he said, there are the night walkers. I asked my grandfather that because I knew that when he built his house, he took the back door out because of the night walkers. They used to walk through the back end of the house. He explained to me that if you put anything in their path, they will walk through it. So he took that section of the house out. He told me the direction that they came from and where they go to. So that path was out the back window in the back of my bedroom and his bedroom. You see, my grandfather had, I think it was a four bedroom house. So when we would go asleep, when we would go asleep, that's where, when we would go to sleep, he'd go inside his room. He closed two doors and he'd stay on that side. It's so dark over there. You put your hand in front of you and you can't see your hand. Then I asked him about the night walkers and my question to him, I said, I can, this doesn't make sense. He said, then I asked him about the night walkers and I asked him, can I see? He said, uh, yeah, because you're Ohana or family, it means you're in the family line that can see. And I said, how will I know they're coming? And he said, you listen, they're going to come from this side. They come from this side of the house and you can hear them coming just like the pants crackling and banging together and you can hear chains dragging okay so this is this has got the makings of like a perfect horror film like this is this is perfect you get uh some kids that are on spring break they go to hawaii and they're gonna have a fun time and then all of a sudden they hear the not the skinwalkers but the the warrior the night walkers coming up and then they try one of the teenagers tries to steal a rock or something from the native lands and then he gets killed. Yeah, well let's let's keep going. I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, chillax, dude. Holy crap. You tell him how much, man, I haven't even gotten there. <laughs> uh and then he says, sure enough, I was sleeping and woke up because I heard all the sounds like grandpa explained. I stood by the window looking out, and there they were walking past outside my window. They were walking and walking slowly. 
but not really walking. They were floating. It was not spooky to me. Just knowing that I had a family connection with these marchers kept me from being scared. That's I think I would still be scared. After they went past, I had I had a sad thought. Is this what they would do for the rest of time? They emanated from Honokoa Gulch and walked by my grandfather's house and the fish pond towards Pukohola Hayu. Wow, I probably butchered that. I don't know their their path back. Honokoa Gulch is known as the Valley of the Chiefs and Warriors. So that's the end of this encounter. Um, so recapping, the night marchers are said to be the ancient warriors that protected the islands of Hawaii, um, their soldiers, and they they held them in such high regard in ancient times because they were the keepers of you know everything that was sacred to them. The island was very sacred to them, and so these warriors were not not quite gods, but similar in you know, respect and how they, how they viewed them. So the legend is that at night, these night walkers who are warriors would march like they're marching toward battle. So they would be dressed all in their battle garb, you know, their feathers and they had their warriors that would bang drums and, and, you know, shout battle cries and they were all dressed up with their weapons and stuff. And they would march to wherever their battlefield was. And then they would go back. Um, and so, the legend goes that if you get in the way of the night marchers while they're marching, that they will engage in battle with you and you will meet a bloody end. Oh. So the kid that told that story, did it say how old he was when he saw them? No, it doesn't mention that's the, only, that's like, that's the whole story right there. Hmm. That's spooky. It's so, also kind of cool. Yeah, so uh, tourists that go to Hawaii, like if you go there and you do anything with a tour guide or go out anywhere mm-hmm. public, they'll usually tell you don't don't take any of the rocks because that's like a big no-no. That's a sign that you're like disrespecting the land. So if you take the rocks at night, then usually you'll be met with the night walkers who will either spear you to death or shoot you with flaming arrows that come out of their faces. Uh, <laughs> They'll like they'll like circle around you and then they'll all shoot flaming arrows and you just like vaporize and disappear. <laughs> they shoot flaming Terrifying. arrows out of their mouth. Out of their faces, yes. Out of their face. <laughs> so they might be shooting a snot rocket, but it turns out to be a flaming arrow. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, but that's the legend. So they're said to come out the most, like the most sightings are on the sacred Hawaiian nights, like the the ancient Hawaiian days that were held sacred. A lot of them are tied to the lunar calendar. So certain days where the moon uh, is full or where the moon is at a certain point in its phase, well, you'd be more common to see uh, these marchers. And then another thing with the marchers is that when these ancient Hawaiian warriors would go to battle, they'd always have like a king or a chief that would go with them. But the king or the chief, his body was very, held very sacred. And so there were certain parts of the body that no one was allowed to see. And so they would cover these parts of the body. So let's say if the king's face was not to be seen, he would march in front of everybody. Or if the back of his head was not to be seen, he would march in the back. And so if you look at the king in the wrong spot, then you'll also die. 
Uh, okay. And uh, what kind of wrong spots would be the wrong spot to look at them? Uh, I don't know. Let's just assume that every spot is the wrong spot. Um, actually, let's see. I'm looking at something right now that says the if a king. Oh wait, hold on. Maybe if you looked at his family jewels, then that's the wrong. Guess spot. it was just whatever the king decided. Mm-hmm. It just says the laws declared body parts of the king to be sacred and not to be seen by a mortal. The punishment for looking at these parts is always instant death, usually by bolts of intense light and flaming heat originating from several of the warrior's eyes. I told you, out of their faces. The violating mortal is incinerated instantly, and the body remains dissipate as vapors into the night airs. Wow. Yep. If a king or face or king or chief's face was not supposed to be observed, he would. Yeah, like he said, he would yeah, march in the front or whatever. But yeah, that's that's intense, right? Um, so, and sometimes there would be like Hawaiian gods that would march. I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names, but they would march, um, and they would usually march on the sacred days if it was, you know, a a holy day in Hawaiian culture or whatever. And then there would usually be a God or a goddess that would march. Um, and the cool thing is that you can see one group of night marchers. that's totally different from another, depending on where you're at, depending on what time of year it is, what day it is in the moon cycle, things like that. You can see a totally different group of night marchers. They could be doing different battle cries, different, you know, drums and music and things like that. So, pretty interesting but a lot of the accounts are fairly similar so if you ever come in contact with a group of night marchers show your respect and lay face down on the ground with your hands face down on the ground so completely flat and they should pass you by but if you look at them especially if you look at them in the eyes that's when you will You'll die. get arrowed yep. <laughs> out of the eye holes out of the face holes yep Not, don't even risk it <laughs> so yeah those are the night marchers pretty creepy um but kind of interesting so only on certain days do they come out so a normal person that were to go to hawaii steal a rock and come back as long as it didn't fall on one of those days would be okay see I've no, heard I, there's reports. a different curse about that yeah i've heard mixed reports of that they come out every day in some areas other reports where they only come out on certain days and other reports where they only come out if they're provoked like that by stealing a rock. Mm. It says here on volcano-hawaii.com um, <laughs> it can be tempting for tourists to take a, take a piece of the island's volcanic rock home. As tempting as it may be, don't do it. Here's why. Um, possessing or removing any of natural minerals is illegal. Oh, wow. Yep, this is true. Uh, aside from all illegal legalities, there's another big reason. Hawaiian culture is superstitious. Uh, one of the one of which is a legend of Pele. Pele, I don't know. The goddess of fire, known for her fiery temperament and powerful personality. There are many legends that say basically, uh, what are they saying? If you take it, basically you get bad luck, like hardcore. Hmm. So. Yeah, bringing it can give you bad luck and misfortune not long after removing it. 
knowingly, uh, whatever. So, I guess if you don't get arrowed in the face, then you're just going to get bad <laughs> luck, but still. Yeah. So don't don't take anything, and you'll be fine. Hmm. But those are the night marchers. Neat. Give me two seconds. Oh, oh one thing I was going to mention about that story. So a common thing in Hawaii. So he said that his grandfather, when he built his house, took out the entire back section, like all the entryways in the back section, because apparently if you have a house where the front and back doors are in line with each other, then that's considered a pathway for them to come through. So they'll come through your house. Or if you have like windows that are lined up across the front and back, then they'll come through those. So that's why his grandfather said that they used to walk through the house was because he had certain entrances and exits that were lined up. And so he ended up just taking those out and filling up the back of the house. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Cause the way that I was hearing the story, it made it sound like. I'll be right back. Two seconds. The ghosts were going to be coming through. And so then in order to make things not worse than what they could be, he literally took off the back door of his house because then that makes it so that the ghosts. I don't know. I don't know. what <laughs> It didn't make sense why he was taking it off because then they could just pass right through the door anyway because they're ghosts. Right. Well, that's that's like the weird thing, too, is because it also the legend also says that if anything gets in their way, like if you put something in their way, they can just walk through it. But that's kind of like if you take away that path from them, they're not going to then they're not invited go through it. Yeah, like they're not going to actively go through it. And so. Yeah, pretty, pretty interesting that they have certain paths and things like that also, and that you can kind of alter those paths. Mm. Maybe we should go to Hawaii and uh, we should go to Hawaii. We should. Who's the scapegoat for the flaming arrows from the? Oh, I will definitely do it. I will definitely take some arrows to the face from another face in order to face to face arrows. (laughs) I mean, that'd be great. I could do some some on the scene reporting. (laughs) I would enjoy it. Hey, hold on. We're going to get uh, one more review in. Try this, babe. My girlfriend's here, and I'm going to have her try this and see what she thinks. Oh, this is this is going to be good, because we need some different taste buds. Well, she's coughing, so that's not a good <laughs> sign. <laughs> yes! It's ask terrible! Her, ask her what it tastes like. See if she gets the flavor close. Did you, did you see what the flavor was? What do you think it is? <laughs> she thinks it's lime. Mm. Pretty close, actually. Yeah. Um, what, out of ten, what do you give it? Six and a half. Wow, oh, that's, that's pretty high. Yeah, that's the highest any f- four of us gave it. <laughs> I gave it a six. Uh, I think Austin I gave it like a four, four, and a half. four and a half, and Ryan gave it a solid two. I think. Yep. <laughs> so. It wasn't like, good. Anyone else, I guess. All right, is it my turn? Yes, sir. All right. So we're talking about the crew of the Sarah Joe. This 
isn't as much as uh, urban legend or whatever you want to call those things. It's more <laughs> of just like a an unsolved mystery of sorts. It's not so, a scary thing. No, it's just rather interesting. So here's 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 the story. On February 11th, 1979, five local men took the day off to go fishing trip on their 17-foot uh, boat called the Sarah Joe. And they're from uh, Hana, which is slightly off the shore of Maui. And they were... They were between the ages of 26 and 38. So they were not young people, not old people. And between them had over 50 years of seagoing experience. So they all had, you know, they, they knew what they were doing. They, they were fishermen at heart, I guess. I don't know. In fact, one of them was a professional fisherman. That was his job. The rest were just kind of like hobbyists. But they're all friends. Anyway, so at 10 a.m., they all leave, and the water was calm, and at 1 p.m., a freak wind sweeps in from the mountains. Um, Apparently, this is a a telltale sign that a storm is coming. So, unless you live in Hiram, and then if it's windy, it just means it's nighttime. It just means it's either morning or night, yeah. If you're at the mouth of a canyon, either. Anyway. (laughs) Um, So one of these people on the boat, Peter Hanchett, his father, John, was on the shore. And, I mean, they they saw the or felt the wind and they knew that a storm was coming. So they tried to go to the shore and wave him down and tell him to come back in. And um, however, they were unable to see the Sarah Joe. And within hours, the storm had arrived. And it says strong winds and crashing waves came with it. John went out into the middle of the storm even to search for his son and the other four men to tell them to come back in. He went out right in the middle of the storm. What a, what a dad, right? What a, you know, uh, what can a, what can a I go out on a, on a small tangent here? So Maybe. I have been out at sea in small and large boats, both mm-hmm. in the middle of pretty big, like 30 foot waves. It is scary as heck. Oh, like, yeah. It's so freaky. I and I mean, you're going to die every five seconds. Like, so for him to go out there, props to him. Like, that's. Yeah, for sure. And he survived. Freak. Yeah. He, he came back just fine. But anyway. um, After several hours, he came back to shore without any finding any trace of the Sarah Joe or its crew. So the next day when the storm had stopped, um, he. Uh, and a friend slash marine biologist, John Naughton, uh, went out and searched again with no luck at all. So on the third day, the Coast Guard joined in. And there were helicopters and ships and all that kind of stuff. And searches expanded and all that stuff. Um, and five days later... They searched 73,000 square miles, found nothing, no pieces of boat, no people, no nothing. It was just just water. Um, and so people back at shore were just kind of like waiting for 
you know, pieces to wash up on shore because that's just what they assumed at that time. But that never happened either. And again, this was in 79. And then I, it kind of just like passed by. Everyone just assumed they had, you know, got lost at sea and passed away. But in 1988, the same guy that went out with uh, John to search for the kids or whatever. So this is nine years later? Yes, nine years later. That marine biologist was on a completely different thing. He was on an expedition in the Marshall Islands, 2,000 miles west of Maui. Um, He was near a deserted atoll, which is like a type of swampy island thing. Now you're just uh, making stuff up. No, that's not true. <laughs> uh, and it was called Taongi. I don't know if I'm saying that right. T-A-O-N-G-I. Uh, but there was a small boat that had washed ashore. So him and his crew landed on there and examined the wreckage, and they found some registration numbers on the boat that uh, indicated that it was a Hawaii-registered boat. So um, they made note of those numbers and stuff like that. But then 60 yards away from the wreckage, there was a makeshift grave, which was a pile of coral rocks and a crudely made wooden cross. Ooh. And there was a human jawbone protruding out of the pile. <laughs> and so they weren't sure if it was part of the boat and the grave were like the same thing or, you know, just two completely different things. Mm-hmm. But they actually took the jawbone and took it back. And were there uh, night the coast- wa- were there night walkers that then started to chase after so. them? <laughs> so the Coast Guard ran the numbers and it was confirmed to be the boat of the Sarah Joe. Jeez. And then they got the skeletal remains and they found with dental records that it was one of the five missing men. Uh, his name was Scott Moorman. No, come on. Scott what? Mormon? Scott Mormon, yes. M O O R M A N. Scott Mormon was in my math class. Oh, wow. Shout out. <laughs> um, so, then another strange clue surfaced when unusual pieces of paper were discovered in the grave. So, like, they were, like, buried with the body, it seemed like. Uh, they were uh, about an inch by an inch, a little less than an inch by inch squares. Um, they were, and they were alternated by slips of tinfoil between the pages. So, <laughs> whatever that means. But, um, and it says here the Coast Guard has not been able to determine who placed the paper there or for what purpose. So, if you want to take a look at a map, um, it it shows that the island that they found that wreckage on is about 2,000 miles um, from where they left shore, whatever. And they asked experts. They're like, hey, can is it possible to drift this far? Like, because it was a long ways. And according to the experts with the, the, the what are they called? Currents and all the that. Fancy kind of degrees. Patterns. Yeah, with the ocean currents and all that, they said, yes, it is possible that it would have, that they could, you know, make it right to there. But here's the kicker. 
it would have taken three months to travel that far via current and, you know, just regular flotation. But um, the United States government did a survey of that island in 1985 and found no trace of anything suspicious of any kind. And this thing, this whole island's like less than a square mile. So it's not like they would have missed anything. What's the name of the island again? Taongi, T-A-O-N-G-I. So 1985, which was six years after they went disappear, they disappeared. The U.S. did a thing on the island. They didn't find no boat. They didn't find no grave. They found nothing. They just, um, but you know, then this was found in 1988. So five years after that, not quite five, uh, four years after that, hmm. three years. My gosh, I can't do math. Three years after that. <laughs> so if it would have taken three months to go that far. Why didn't the United States find that? And so where were we, where were they in that time? And also where are the four other people? Because right. obviously what at least one of them had to make it in order to bury that guy, right? Right. And there was only one skeleton found. So So he the, ate the rest of them, of course. What's the next nearest island to Taongi or whatever it's called? Find out. Um, there is something called Cat Camworm. Cat Camworm. Uh, where is that that you're looking? It is uh west or sorry east of it, but it is pretty far. I want to say three miles. Okay, is your question, what is the closest inhabited island? Yeah. Or or just what's the closest island? Oh, sorry, no, Camelum is part of it. No, sorry, I was wrong. The closest actual island is Wake Island, and that's easily over 100 miles away. Oh, okay. The Marshall Islands are fairly close, but again, at least 100 miles so a considerable distance then. Yeah. So here's a little funny tidbit. I'm looking at the map right now. Mm-hmm. And there is a small circle of, I don't know what else to call it other than beach to the southwest of it mm-hmm. called uh, Wrong Lap Atoll. And in the center of this circular beach Wait, ring. where? To the southwest. How far southwest? Uh, looks like it is mm, something like maybe two hundred miles southwest. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm sharing my screen. Do you guys see that? Uh, yep. n- yes. Okay. So, <laughs> is is it on my screen right now? Nope. Keep zooming. Okay. This one right here? Uh, I don't see your cursor. Oh, right right here? Yeah. Oh. Keep keep zooming in. <laughs> and look into <laughs> the middle of that circle. <laughs> fast food? And, and you find <laughs> culping fast food. I don't know what the heck they're doing in the middle of the ocean. 
But there you go. There you have it. You have a that's, fast food restaurant. What in the world? It's got 10 reviews. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how the heck it's there. Because... Very good delivery service, although I had to wait a very long time for my food. <laughs> there's there's no way that this is real. Like, this is... Right. Yeah, there's no way. This is ridiculous, because there's not even a road anywhere close to this. Oh, this is not a habited island. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Oh, dude, this one's called Bikini Atoll. It's like Bikini Bottom. Uh, <laughs> if that's the Bikini Island that they tested a bomb, then I don't think you want to be there. Anyway, so you can see here, that's it, right? Um, can you see that? I don't know. It's right, right here. Oh, wait, that's, yeah. So, like, you scroll out quite a ways, and there's there's nothing. And they went missing from right over here somewhere. Yeah, frankly, whoever it was that survived was lucky to make it to that island. And who knows if they even survived, because maybe they just had the body the whole time, but somebody had to survive. Right, who buried him? Actually, there there is a... um, thing around the rumor mill saying that some people went fishing illegally there and they found the body and then just like buried it out of respect but they Mm. didn't tell anyone because they were fishing illegally and didn't want to get in trouble so that's that's one thing that's there's no way to prove or disprove that but how convenient Mm. i wonder also since the area is um, I don't know that I would say it's like well traveled, but I mean, clearly there's, there's a lot of fishing going on by a lot of the people in the Marshall Islands. <clears throat> right. I mean, they were on a fishing trip themselves. Right. So what if it, what if it just so happened that some fishermen or some locals found a dead body on the beach as they were just passing by from one island to another, going to wherever oh, they were right. going. And then they just found it and buried them. So um, there's something here that says after everyone gave up, basically, the family um, hired a private investigator. His name was Steve Goodenow. Good, good now. I don't know. <clears throat> um, but he took a team to the island and he it said they found a handful of the bones of the same guy, so a handful more that everyone missed, I guess. Um, and they also found the boat's engine wedged underwater in nearby coral. And they said, given the narrow channel between reefs and islands, it's unlikely the boat could have reached the lagoon without human, human interference. <laughs> so they don't, it, apparently because of the coral, it can't just wash ashore. It had to have human right. pushing it or something like that. And then also, he he's the one that came up with this. He said, good, it says, good now, hypothesize that Chinese fisherman found Scott's body and buried him. He further theorized that the fisherman did not report the incident because they had been fishing in an area illegally. Hmm. Robert, I don't even want to say that last name because I'll get it wrong. Brother of a missing crew member, Ralph, thinks that Scott tied himself to the boat to weather the storm. He doubts anyone on the Sarah Joan could have survived the 2,200 mile journey. So they think the reason, the only reason that he made it there is because he would tie, he was tied to the boat. 
Mm. Now, there's a lot of uh, last names there that you don't want to pronounce, but I say you give our listeners a treat and just with one run running go at it, just, yeah. just give it a chance and just one look and give it a try. All right. Out of respect of the dead, I will. <laughs> we're going to butcher the their name out of respect. <laughs> the men on the trip were 38-year-old Benjamin Kalama, 27-year-old Ralph Malekaikini, 27-year-old Scott Mormon, 26-year-old Patrick <laughs> Woesner, and 31-year-old Peter Hanchet. Perfect. Thank you. Well done. Right. Well done. The only two I don't know how to pronounce are Weissner and Malikini. I don't know. Malikaliki Maka. Is that one? Oh, I don't think that's one. It's the thing you say. But that's the story. That's the whole story. So there's not really like a, you know, like a mystery to it other than, you know, how did they get there and what happened? If only they could have landed in the wrong lap atoll and gone to the clopping fast food restaurant. <laughs> yeah, they would have survived. Um, and they also they did put a memorial plaque on the Taongi atoll and in Hana Bay. So both where they found the boat and where they took off from, there's a plaque commemorating their lives, basically. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> where are those at in relation on the island? Uh, what the plaque? Yeah, the I'm memorials. Sure. Let's see. Because one of the images you showed showed a lot of like there was like a a pretty rocky shore, and I didn't um, see really like any rocks. Are you talking here? I'll share my screen again. In the you Google, about, you talking about this one map? Uh, yeah. Like looking in the background of that, that's got to be Hawaii. Like look how big that mountain is. There is nothing. On the, yeah. the island that's like so, that. yeah, they said that they put a memorial at where they left, so that's probably where they left from. Mm. Probably not the one on there. Let's see, open mm. your new tab. Let's see if we zoom in there. Maybe it says something on it in memory of the crew of the Sarah Joe lost at sea off Hannah Maui. Yeah, Hana remembers her sons. Yeah, so it says Hana right there. So mm. I'm guessing that's the one there. I don't. I don't find I don't see any photos of the one on the atoll. Maybe they didn't actually do that, but that's what it said on the thing I was reading. Interesting. So, so should we propose our own theories then of what happened? I I I don't have any theories. I have no idea. What do you got? Um, I I think that they probably washed up on that island. The guy was already dead, so they buried him and then set out to find something else, and that's why all the rest of them weren't found there. Well, how'd they set off, though? Their boat was there. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's a good call. I, uh, <laughs> it's not like they would just start swimming, and the closest thing was thousands of miles, hundreds of miles away. Yeah, good call. Uh, I don't know, then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, either. Uh, My guess goes a little bit darker because I kind looking at this little island, this isn't a big enough island that there's going to be 
um, there's not going to be large animals to pick apart a skeleton. No, there's going to be nothing. Yeah, at the very best, you got insects, maybe rodents as far as land animals. And then the best thing beyond that is going to be some birds. Yeah, so I'm looking at here. It's taking away the skeleton. The whole thing is 1.25 square miles uh, of land area, and the lagoon is 30 square miles. So I don't (laughs) know if that's helpful at all. So my dark take on it is actually that he got eaten by a cannibal. Because who else is there to actually tear apart the body and then supposedly bury the remains? And why would the remains be pulled pulled apart in different pieces and in different areas of the island? Decomposition? Wind? Nah. The, maybe the water, you know, waves and stuff? Because it was, it was buried on shore. It had been, what, 10 years? Well, I guess. No, there, there, was, a, there was a crude wooden cross. Um, yeah. I don't know. But who ate him then? So, either it's going to be one of the um people that were on that ship or possibly some other crazy islander people see i don't think that the people on the ship buried him because how did they get away and where were they like i think that somebody else probably came to the island found him there or his remains buried him and then they left but doesn't make sense that the people he was with would bury him because their boat's there so I'm looking at this and it says uh I'm just looking at how fast to take a human body to decompose and it says uh 8 to 10 days after death the body turns green to from green to red as the blood decomposes and the organs in the abdomen accumulate gas. So uh it doesn't take that long. No, I I fully understand that, but then as far as like the the rest of the skeleton of how it stays together one of the things that you see if you feed or like give a bone a big bone to a dog is a lot of times you'll get the femur and a lot of times it'll have the the knee essentially still attached to it and you can see how the joints stay together and they'll stay together for weeks and months while the dog is just gnawing on this thing. And this is a freaking dog while it's gnawing on a bone. So then if you just leave a body there with nothing to decompose it other than germs and bugs and insects, I think it's going to take a lot longer than just days. Uh, This says about three months. After several weeks, nails and teeth start to fall out. One month, the body starts to liquefy and should be skin. Liquefy? Yeah, it says at one month, the body starts to liquefy. Expect nothing but a skeleton by three to five months. So I don't know. But I don't know if that's. I don't know, like, you know, maybe that's in a place with normal vegetation and whatnot. I'm sure it differs depending on where you are in the world or if like you're in a coffin or not or I, I don't know. Maybe mm. the salt water does something too. Hmm. Yeah. 
I would say with it being in a tropical region, it would be in the prime uh, situation for decomposition. Unlike on Everest, that has hundreds of bodies that are just perfectly preserved. Oh, that is gross. Yeah, it says it liquefies into a dark sludge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's apparently what happens mm. if you don't embalm the body. Mm. It turns into a dark sludge liquid. I hate that. Mm. It tastes like like a sour gummy worm energy. Hey, Ryan, Ryan, shut your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I don't know. I think the, the one that the PI came up with that the Chinese fishermen found the body, I think that makes the most sense. But it is weird that the U.S. didn't find anything five years after it happened, even though it would have taken three months to go that far. Right. Mm. So that, that leads me to believe then that like, I don't know, like where are the other people there? They didn't bury him there and they're somewhere else or see, maybe, maybe they all wanted to escape their lives and then, like live out different lives, and so they voluntarily ran away. Hey, that's a fun take on the story. So they set up uh, aliases, fake their deaths, and they open a. They go to fast live food. out their dream and open up a fast food restaurant in the Marshall Islands called the Clopping Fast Food Restaurant. Yes, I want to try it. Did did any of them take out life insurance policies before they left? Hey, that's that is a good question. Oh well, well, that's all I got. That's interesting. That's cool one. That is a mystery for the best mystery books. Well, I don't know about the best, <laughs> but it's it's up there in like the hundreds place. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> well, Interesting. Are, are people still reading mystery books nowadays, Ryan? <laughs> I do. Dude, every uh, in, Encyclopedia Brown. Did you guys ever read those? What? No. You ever read those? Those were my favorite when I was in grade school. It was like nope. uh, it would tell like a story of something that happened to a kid. Like like somebody stole this piece of candy or something like that and then this kid that he called himself encyclopedia brown he would would figure it out but then like it wouldn't tell the reader you'd have to figure it out yourself and then you'd like flip to the back of the book and see if you got it right based on the evidence (laughs) from it but it was insanely hard because like i remember one was like like somebody popped this little girl's balloon and she was crying and then Encyclopedia Brown was just like, I know who did it. It was you. You popped your own balloon. And I was like, how the F did they know that? So I flipped to the back of the book and it's like, based on the fact that her tear came out the outside of her eye instead of the <laughs> inside of her eye, she used eye drops instead of actually crying because cr- er, tears come from the inside, not the outside. I was like, oh, I'm of course. how am I supposed to know that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was still way fun. Here's another thing. What what child is going to pop their own balloon and be like, I'm gonna get them and then drop some eye drops in their eyes and then think they had some crazy good plan to fool everybody? 
Yeah, Leroy Brown, a.k.a. Encyclopedia Brown, is Idaville's 10-year-old star detective with uncanny knack of trivia. He solves mysteries for the neighborhood <laughs> kids, but his dad also <laughs> happens to be the chief of the police. Every night, Encyclopedia helps get to the bottom of the most baffling crimes. It was I had a good time reading those. So all you need to be a child detective is an uncanny knowledge of trivia? And your dad be the chief of police. Oh, I guess that would help too. Yes. Because then yeah. you're imbued with special powers. But does his dad also know his trivia? Who knows? I used to read whodunit books. And yeah, basically the same thing. Same thing. It gives you like this picture. I remember this one um that was like showing this apartment that was broken into and there was like this tiny little clue that was given that showed like the way that the, um, that a hole was like extruding out one side and not the other. And so it therefore showed that they broke in from this angle and it like connected a whole bunch of dots. So there is no way my, my fourth grade mind was ever going to pick that up. Yeah. See, I decided to stick with the simple books like Captain America, or Cap, not Captain America, Captain Underpants, where in, <laughs> in the back of them, they had what was called Flipporama, where those were, those were <laughs> amazing, dude. You could watch the kids defeating the villains by, you, and they even had outlines of where you needed to put your fingers to flip the pages quickly. But on one page, it would show the kid like winding up with a pan, and you flip it really fast, and the next page, he's whacking the guy in the face. So you'd flip him really fast and see him whacking him in the face. Yeah, that was fun. So I'm watching one of these flipporamas, and it is just one page to the other for 23 full seconds of mm-hmm. a kid just hitting a robot. And that's yep. it. Yeah, yeah that's that <laughs> amazing. It's the pinnacle of my childhood. <laughs> Here's one that's the complete, the ultimate complete Flipporama collection. Ooh. Anyway, do we have anything else to talk about? Uh, that was it for me for Hawaii. I don't know if Ryan had anything for Hawaii. Nope. And then that's all we got, I guess. Hit us up on the social media. Social media. Let us know what you guys think about Jack's case of the Sarah Joe. Or. Tell me what you think about your opinion of cannibalism being the downfall of this poor sailor. You're weird. Yeah. Tell us what you think about that UFO, too. Yeah, that UFO is pretty crazy. Anyway, well, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Take care. Hurrah.